Why does society put happiness on a pedestal but look down their noses on mothers who feel content? Can you even call yourself a feminist when you're a mum? And where to from here? Hello and welcome to the final episode of the Mummy You're Not Broken audiobook, written and read by me, Anna Cusack. I've combined the last chapter on contentment and the conclusion here, as I feel they combine really well to round out the audiobook experience. It's brought up all the emotions reading this for you. Thank you so much for being here. I really, really appreciate you being with me on this journey. Enjoy. Before we start this chapter, I just want to remind you that you can order a physical copy of this book and also see a full reference list at www.annacusack.com.au slash book. You can also head to www.annacusack.com.au to check out the ways we can work together. I offer mentoring via video call, voice messaging support for all things preparing for motherhood, motherhood itself and parenting, and host a women's circle, writing workshop or similar special event online each month. When lockdowns are done and dusted for good, I hope to take my work on the road, collaborating with some wonderful women and individuals along the east coast of Australia, so do watch this space. If you love my content here or on social media, I invite you to give back to this podcast by becoming a patron of the show for $5 a month. Again, head to www.annacusack.com.au slash podcast to get involved. Let's get started. Chapter 10, Contentment. Bring to your mind the image of a glamorous gala dinner. Hundreds of people fill the cavernous room. The men are dressed in sharp suits, while the women wear towering heels underneath glorious flowing gowns. Four women stand together, each with champagne in hand, sipping carefully with their showstopper makeup, professionally styled hair, and dazzling jeweled earrings. It is a night of celebration of valuing supremely high achievement in various industries within the region. One woman is a high-flying corporate lawyer. The next is a senior health clinician at the biggest hospital in her area and leads projects that have revolutionised the way rehabilitation services are delivered to stroke patients in her district. The third woman introduces herself as the head of HR within a multinational charitable organisation. The fourth woman introduces herself as a stay-at-home mother. She loves her work raising two children and believes it is the most fulfilling job she could ever have. She was a teacher before she had children, but as a mother, she feels she has found her groove. While the others in the circle shift uncomfortably, she drops the C word. She is content. The lawyer chokes on her canapé, her eyes looking as if they are about to pop from under heavily shaded lids. Good for you. There's no way I could stay home with my kids all day. I'd go insane, she says after regaining her composure. Don't you miss teaching or at least the adult conversation in the staff room, says the health worker. Are you sure you don't want to make a bigger difference? There's a position going with us that you'd be perfect for. I take great care of my staff and can promise you the money is better than you get staying at home, says the HR manager. What do the responses of these imaginary women tell us about the social narrative around childcare and child raising being understimulating and infuriating? 
that mothering is inherently devoid of the features that promote the interest, ambition and reward required to call it your specialty area of expertise, life's work or career. That it must be done alone, without the presence of other adults, to be done right. That it is less important than other paid work or social contributions or even a waste of your talent. This scene is played out again and again in mother's interactions of all kinds, taking baby in to visit old workmates, playgroups, school pickups, birthday parties, multifamily holidays, and more. For all the inspirational quotes about a mother's happiness being the best gift they can give to their child, why are we so uncomfortable with the notion of being content as a mum? The fairy tale version of modern motherhood presents that child rearing is essential to finding the missing piece that will complete women emotionally and spiritually. Yet, what would it feel like to hear the tales of pain, woe and distress of other mums at a mother's group while your own experience of being a mother has been enjoyable to the point of deep contentment? Would you feel called to air that you feel you have found your calling while others around you are floundering? As mentioned earlier, we humans are pack animals, wired to shy away from behaviours that might leave us ostracised and open to attack. The patriarchal paradigm that mothering must feel hard to be doing it right is strong. The result? Women don't get the help they need, or, if their experience is blissful, can find themselves silenced for fear of being left to the wolves. Alongside this is our dominant corporate ladder and sporting-oriented views around winners and losers. You get promoted, someone else misses out. One football team wins, the other loses, and a draw satisfies neither. If we feel like we are winning at motherhood, it must mean that someone else is losing. The higher your vibe, the lower they will automatically become, says the narrative. Rationally, we know that happiness is not a finite resource but our subconscious conditioning keeps our jaws wide shut. Unfortunately, when this is the path walked, the mythical perfect mother wins and both of you become losers. You are guilted for feeling too good while the struggling mother is blocked from hearing your inspirational message that there is hope to feel better. The notion of motherhood as a site of competition over collaboration translates further to how we carry ourselves and our joy around women who are not mothers as well as those who are. Maybe you, like me, have checked yourself before gushing to a childless friend about how wonderful it is being a mum for fear of hurting her feelings. If she made a conscious decision not to have kids, we need to be mindful not to make her feel regret or shame. If she wants or wanted children and this didn't work out, we need to be considerate so as not to make her feel worse by implying that her life will forever be less fulfilling than our own. Be happy, society tells us, but not too happy. Keep that joy to yourself. This is not always an easy feat. It is hard to describe the unbridled joy that babies can bring to a mother's life. Those first flickers of recognition first moments of eye contact and first steps are occasions that, should they happen, are cause for heart-soaring joy. And that laughter, if I could bottle up the sound of my daughter's giggles when I tickle her belly or start skipping spontaneously, I would have it ringing in my ears all day. There are times that you want to shout, being your mum is the best thing ever, from the rooftops. Sometimes, thanks to social media, we can, and love rains down on us from all directions. 
the highest of highs are worshipped at the altar of patriarchy-defined parenthood. These are allowed and revered, but there is a catch. You are allowed to enjoy them so long as there is some kind of offset, a disclaimer of the brutality, chaos or drudgery of other parts of your life as a mum. Without it, you'll be quickly howled down by those wolves that are lurking in the shadows of conventional conversation. This picture of the boys and their baby sister is one of my favourites. What it doesn't show you is that three seconds later, he took off his dirty nappy and wiped it all over her face. And the carpet? And the walls, says the photo caption. Oh my goodness, he's crawling already. If you think you're tired now, just wait. You'll never rest again, says Auntie Suze. The kids and I are so attuned right now, and most of the time I love their company. We're in this beautiful bubble, but hubby doesn't even seem to want to come inside, says your friend with a sigh. Can you see the theme? For one moment, thing or even relationship to be enjoyed, the enjoyment of another must be sacrificed. But does it really? Not to toot my own horn here, but I aced my high school final exams. On graduation day, my mum got talking to a friend's mother who inquired as to what I would become when I left school. Hopefully happy, responded my mum, and in terms of study, Anna's enrolled in an exercise science degree. The other mother was flabbergasted. With those marks, she should be doing law or medicine. Are you sure you're okay with this? She asked. My grades won me a scholarship that paid my accommodation costs at college. I studied hard and partied harder. I finished my formal education with the university medal in my pocket a master's degree with distinction and a kick-ass boyfriend who is still by my side nearly 10 years later. Right now, I am writing this book, yet for days and weeks and months on end, I have been doing mum life and have been, dare I say it, completely content. What would the establishment think about that? What a waste of potential, thinks the professor. Why did we waste our money on her, thinks the scholarship interview panellist. She must have been born with a silver spoon in her mouth to have the luxury of staying home with her kids, thinks the mother's working against their wishes. How disempowering to be totally dependent on her partner for money, thinks the woman whose household income is seen as theirs and mine, rather than a combined family wage. She's leeching on the welfare system when she could be working, thinks the politician. And she calls herself a feminist. Doesn't she know there's more to life than popping out babies? A brow-burning pioneer exclaims, throwing her hands in the air in exasperation. Of all the imagined voices swirling in my head, the last one is the one that trips me up. My grandmother was born during World War I to a farming family in country New South Wales. Compared to the boys of her era, her educational options were limited. She ensured her two daughters completed high school and encouraged them to take up a career of their own. By 1980, when my mum was old enough to apply for uni, women were benefiting from the work of second wave feminism and the Whitlam government's introduction of free tertiary education for anyone who made the grade. Still, there were quiet rules of sexism that determined who studied what, and she was told her dream career as a journalist was a man's job. My mum was pressured to enrol in teaching instead and has regretted taking that advice ever since. My whole life, I have been told that I can do anything a man can do. To follow my dreams. To make the most of the opportunities to vote, study and have a career that generations of women before me have never had access to.
for most of my adult life, I have been focused on proving that I am capable, smashing glass ceilings and for a time being primary breadwinner in my family. Yet now I'm here, in my lounge room, making Play-Doh donkeys with my kid and enjoying it. Can I be a mother and still call myself a feminist? I wrestled with this beast for some time until finally the answer dawned on me. You know the epiphany you have when your baby has a poo explosion? The kind where you panic, looking around for someone to tell you what to do, then realise that you are the responsible adult? My permission slip isn't out there in some definitive rulebook of feminism. It is in me, and I have the power to call myself whatever the flip I want to. Plenty of people have excused themselves from the hierarchies of patriarchal versions of religion that say, follow my rules or be damned, yet still consider themselves to be a believer in a higher power. This is me excusing myself from our male-dominated capitalist society's hijacking of feminism. I refuse to subscribe to the dogma that to be as good as any man, I need to reject the parts of me that grew and birthed a whole human being, minus one cell, in nine months, or curtail the joy that spending time with that little person brings. Modern patriarchy places the imagined angry feminist image as the direct opponent of the passive perfect mother archetype, and we are trained to believe that we need to choose between being proper feminists or good mothers. I call bullshit. Just like there are many denominations within each religion, there are many schools of feminist theory. The version that rings true for me is matricentric feminism, literally mother-centred feminism, as described and pioneered by Professor Andrea O'Reilly. Matricentric feminism recognises that over three quarters of women become mothers and that mothering is key to both our identity and understanding of the ways we operate within society. It recognises that even the potential of childbearing affects how women view their lives and are viewed and treated within society. It affords all mothers opportunity to express themselves, experience contentment and revel in their personal power, regardless of whether they engage in paid employment full-time, part-time or not at all. Professor O'Reilly suggests that our mothering practice is an opportunity to express our agency, but also to shape the next generation. The way we interact with our kids co-creates the version of motherhood our daughters will inherit and our sons will see as the norm. If wide-scale cultural change-making isn't feminism in action, I don't know what is. So what does feminism look like for me? It looks like rejecting the idea that the version of motherhood that society presents us with is just how it is. Newsflash, it's not. It looks like saying no thanks to any of the things that patriarchal motherhood tells me I must do and be to be good enough but don't feel authentic. Mostly these things are small parts of my mothering practice, not grand, here I am on my soapbox, pronouncements. They are things that happen behind closed doors like feeding my baby to sleep almost every night for two years, playing outside in the evening and not caring if we don't eat dinner until after 8pm, giving her the option to wave hello and goodbye to people instead of making her hug and kiss them. They may not seem like much, but the little choices I make each day allow me to feel more in charge of my own life rather than dictated to. It is in these sites of resistance, freedom and contentment in our daily experience that we can feel connected to our inner rebel while mothering and identify 
with becoming what maternal scholar Adrienne Rich described in the 1970s as outlaws from the institution of motherhood. Some of the most contented mothers I know work full-time and have their children in daycare five days a week. Some work part-time and have their children in daycare an additional day to refuel. Some have a cleaner or housekeeper without working or studying to earn it. Some meet with other mums every single day to work in child raising together, just like their partners work in an office together with their colleagues. Some were mothers before their 21st birthdays and live in boisterous, splendid families while studying. Some are raising their children solo or with their sisters, friends and grandmothers. One is even operating a sole trader six-figure business while homeschooling seven children. There is no formula to achieve contentment other than the one you dream up implement, overhaul and tweak as you go along. Now you've got the idea, it's time to let your imagination run wild. I'd love for you to start to dream up what life could be if your inner rebel took charge. What could life be if the just how it is of motherhood went out the window? Imagine if instead of filling your calendar with extracurriculars, you just didn't. What could family flow look like with less runaround or none at all? Imagine if instead of working on someone else's schedule in a job you've outgrown, you just left. How would it feel to create the business venture of your dreams in an area that lights your soul on fire and radiate that light onto your whole family? Imagine if instead of trying to wear all the hats at once, as many tasks as possible were delegated or outsourced. How would it feel to purposefully build a personal and professional village around you to do this together as a team, as it's been done for millennia. Don't think too hard, just imagine. Before we wind this up, I'd like to introduce you to one final piece of the emotional puzzle that is central to feeling content as a mother, ambivalence. Although it is used differently in conversational English at times, the word ambivalence technically refers to having mixed feelings about something. Maternal ambivalence allows us to be incredibly frustrated with our children, yet acutely aware of our deep love for them in the same breath. It allows us to desperately want personal space while acknowledging we would put our lives on the line to protect our kids without question. It allows us to feel all the feelings we have discussed within a split second, well before our rational mind has time to process whatever has sparked these emotional responses. Experts suggest that the more mothers can see these mixed and even conflicting feelings as normal, the more likely they are to enjoy the richness of their mothering experience. Now is the time to embrace the emotional superpower that is ambivalence and live your life in full colour. Call back your rebellious streak, let your imagination run wild and know that all your feelings are welcome, even all at the same time. Mama, if you're not content right now, I want you to know it's not out of reach. This is absolutely possible, not just a pipe dream, even without some grand career change or massive move. Consider the difference between sipping water from a muddy waterhole and drinking from a bubbling, clear-flowing stream. This is the difference in energy we bring to our family when we make decisions with ourselves in mind. As we come to live a life more aligned with what we desire, rather than what we've been trained to believe we deserve, the cracked creek bed springs to life 
and we can start to flow again. Think of a time when you lost yourself in the moment, maybe riding a bike downhill as a kid, that time you danced all night and felt amazing, the time you were so absorbed in a book that you didn't stop reading until you devoured the whole thing. This is what researchers call flow. It turns out deep contentment is not about achieving constant happiness or reaching dizzying emotional highs. It is about dipping into a state of flow again and again. The more time we spend in flow, the higher our levels of life satisfaction. It is no surprise that the most content mothers I know are the ones who have removed as much what do I need to do next from their brains and sink into the sensory delights that come with exploring the world through their baby's eyes, toddler's pace or child's imagination. You are allowed to be content as a mother. You are allowed to choose easefulness, even to name it as easy if that's how you are experiencing it at the time. If this is your truth, it deserves to be brought into public discussion, just the same as we would shine a light on all those unpleasant emotions we've discussed earlier. Say it out loud and it will be the magnet that attracts more of it to your life. There is no need to self-minimise or put a disclaimer on the everyday, mundane moments that make us grateful to be alive and in the presence of growing, glorious children. This is the reality I consciously choose. I am content when we sit on the floor eating hummus straight from the tub. I love waking up before you so I can see you stretch luxuriously beside me each morning. I love that you love playing with your grandparents without me and I'm only a little hurt if you play it cool when I collect you. When we shower together and I see your chubby little legs, I just want to eat you up. It is heavenly when I shower alone. I am fascinated seeing you soak it all in as we read How the Birds Got Their Colours for the eighth time in a row. You inspire me to believe in myself as much as you believe in me. I am honoured to be your mum. I mean it, I truly am. Mothering is my strawberry jam. You can't have the same jam every day without getting bored though. I also enjoy raspberry jam, connection. Blackberry jam, learning. Apricot jam, writing. Fig jam, music. And around 17 other types of jam. The more of these that get a look in each week, the happier I am when I come back to my favourite of all, strawberry. My daughter is one of the tastiest and most important things in my life, but it's not fair to say that she has completed me. I have seen how holding the responsibility for their mother's happiness and well-being has played out for now adult friends, and I don't want her to carry that feeling through her life. Every step my girl takes toward independence is a step away from when she was under my skin, but the idea that she is my missing piece doesn't ring true either. She is of me, but not a piece of me. She is a unique, whole, wonderful, inquisitive person that I can't claim to own. She is perfection personified. If I accept this as truth, it means that underneath whatever labels have stuck to me over the last three plus decades, I am whole and perfect too. So are you, Mama. Inhale. Exhale. If you're feeling content, 
you're not a freak or a failure or a bad feminist. If you're feeling far from content, you're not broken either. To be honest, it's likely that through our journeys we'll spend some time in both camps. The modern man's world loves winners and losers, but that's not how mothers have to roll. Let's lean in, not out, and enjoy this ride together. Conclusion Holidaying in Indonesia, my parents got up at 2.30am to travel to the foot of a mountain. With their guide, they wove their way through vegetation and along bare cliff faces. Occasionally they would lose their footing and rubble would slip from underneath them. As the day dawned around them, they could gradually see more than just the small area spotlit by their head torches. Silhouettes came first, looming mountain ranges one way, coastline in the distance another, the shape of figures moving along the track ahead. Black and grey turned lilac before a breathtaking pink, orange and yellow sunrise illuminated the scenery before them. As the sun rose, the three trekkers stood side by side, experiencing the same dawn in their own unique way. My dad panicked. He has always been terrified of heights, and the combination of the elevation and sheerness of the now visible drop at his feet saw him looking for a safer place to stand. The guide saw that his guests were more mature than he had first thought and was embarrassed that he hadn't given all the respect and courtesy that was due to them during their climb. My mum sat mesmerised, drinking in the incredible beauty of all that was before her. As you reach the conclusion of this book, you may be feeling a bit like one of the three trekkers. Perhaps, like my dad, you are wondering what you have gotten yourself into and wondering how on earth you're going to get yourself out of this pickle alive. Perhaps, like the guide, you have an expanded appreciation and deepened respect for the bravery, efforts and extent of challenge faced by those who choose to walk this path. Perhaps, like my mum, you are blown away by the enormity of what you have just achieved by putting one foot in front of the other in the dark and know that if you have come this far, you can make it on the next leg of your journey as well. What I hope is certain, however, is that this book has lifted the darkness on the unspoken emotions of modern motherhood and provided the words for an experience that was once beyond description. Guilt, anger, grief, overwhelm, fear, uncertainty, loneliness, invisibility and boredom. All of these are normal responses to the challenges of modern motherhood due to factors that are bigger than us a consequence of our social training rather than our personal failings. Contentment too deserves airtime if we are truly going to recognise the breadth of experiences of mothers. Understanding that the emotional layers of modern motherhood are largely socially derived is a key step towards the emancipation of mothers as a marginalised yet major group in our society. As we name and give voice to these taboo topics, we can start to recognise them in our own lives. We can feel our feelings rather than trying to fix them by stretching ourselves thinner and thinner. We can allow them to move through us with self-compassion rather than trying to swat them away. We can stand arm in arm knowing why they are coming up so often for so many of us and why we have been so quick to shut them out of sight yet unable to clear them from our minds. Thank you, thank you, thank you 
for your courage in joining me on the journey through these pages. It's not comfortable to hold a mirror up to a society that doesn't respect mothers or value their contribution. More than that, it takes great bravery to look in the mirror and take stock of what is happening in our internal world while being outwardly disrespected and devalued. The unspoken emotions of motherhood and the factors that influence them need to be known as intimately as our children's sleeping faces, as tenderly as their breath on our cheeks. Let's ask ourselves, what are our feelings trying to tell us? What gold is there for us to mine from these feelings if we can allow them in instead of rejecting them? What can we shift within ourselves and our experiences directly to make our lives more beautiful and our mothering journeys more fulfilling? Then, from a place of love rather than lack, we can share our stories and take action as mothers and their allies standing together. The current fairy tale version of motherhood doesn't exist. Now that you've seen it for the illusion it is, you can't unsee it. The good thing about fairy tales is that they have been written and revised again and again over centuries to be what their audience needs them to be. We are the actors in the story of motherhood and we get to write our own version, starting right now. What would it take for women to know what was coming so not a single new mother was left wondering, why did no one tell me it would be like this? What would it take for mothers to know that just underneath the emotional discomfort of trying to be a good mum or the chaos of trying to do it all was all of life's beauty, creativity and passion? That all the love, inspiration and joy they were looking for was just waiting for them to detox from modern motherhood's rules? What would it take for mothers to know from the start that they are not and never were broken? If you have read this far, you are part of the revolution. The renaissance of respecting mothering and caregiving as essential, emotive and hugely valuable work. Some will take up arms in advocacy, government and public life, but for most of us the revolution starts at home and more specifically in our own heads. Call out the shoulds and musts of the imaginary perfect mother in your self-talk and in conversations with your friends. Speak kindly with yourself and give yourself the same support you would want for any other woman and mother in your life. Wherever possible, choose an attitude of easefulness, even if it doesn't feel easy. Better yet, skip your head altogether and go straight to your heart. Listen to it. Do what it tells you. Love and nurture yourself as much as you love your children and know it is necessary, not narcissistic. Feel deep in your bones how truly brilliant you are. How superb, gorgeous, divine, delightful, wonderful, luscious, magnificent and exquisite you are. How you are radiant, glorious and exuding love from the inside out. Mama, you are many, many things. But one thing you are not is broken. Viva la motherhood revolution. enjoyed this episode of the podcast please remember to subscribe and leave a five-star review and share with anyone you feel may benefit from this content 
If you'd like to continue the conversation, join me on social media at Anna Cusack Postpartum and head to my website www.annacusack.com.au to check out the ways we can work together. Please use the contact form on the website to inquire about having me run workshops with your client groups or book me for corporate speaking or professional development presentations. See you next episode.